Well, what's up, Cornerstone? Happy Sunday. Listen, I asked this question. This is the third service, so I need y'all to give me the most energy. This is my third one. I'm a little tired, but God is good, so we're going to ride this thing. Here's the question I want to ask for you, ask you. Did anybody come excited about Jesus today? Let's go. I love it. Hey, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I want to give a huge shout out to all of you who may be joining us for the very first time. Also want to give a huge shout out to all of you who may be watching online. Man, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us here in worship. So y'all, uh, we are kicking off a brand new series. We're going to be in this series for the next four weeks on the life of Jonah. It's t entitled On the Run. Now, if you've been a Christian for a little while, I want to encourage you to lean into the series. Oftentimes when we go through familiar narratives, uh, we may have a tendency to kind of say, ah, I've heard it before. But this is my prayer, that as over the next four weeks through these messages that God would show you something, would say something to you that you haven't seen or haven't heard from the text before that would be applicable to your life. Amen? So with that being said, I want to take a moment now and invite the Holy Spirit to just be with us for the next 30 to 35 minutes. Let us pray. Father, I give you glory, honor, and praise. I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. And God, in this moment, in this hour, I decrease and ask that you would increase. Hide me behind the cross. Let me say only what it is you want me to say and nothing more than that. Give me preaching power that comes from your Holy Spirit. And I'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Let us leave this place better than we came. It's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Just before I jump into the text, y'all, I got to share some good news with you. I got to share some amazing news with you. And here's the good news that I want to share with you. Two days ago, my wife and I, y'all, we celebrated 10 years of marriage, 10 years of marriage. Hey, y'all, we had an amazing time celebrating our 10-year anniversary. So here's how it kind of all went down. We were walking around the house before we hit that Friday, and I didn't have my socks on. My wife looked at my feet and was like, what are those? So she decided that I was in desperate need of a pedicure. So we went on Friday night, y'all, and we got a pedicure. Now, I got I'll be honest with you, uh, getting a pedicure as a man is not the most masculine thing, but my feet sure do feel soft this morning. They feel like I spent $80 to have somebody rub my feet, amen. So we did that during the day. That was our lunch date part of the day, and then later that night, we got a babysitter, and we went out, and it was just the two of us. We went out to this super, super fancy restaurant, y'all. It's called Bourbon and Bones. If you haven't been there, I'd encourage you to try it. The food was delicious. I left that night with my stomach full, but my wallet empty because it is expensive. Because somebody pray that God would be the God of increase in my finances. Amen. But y'all, we had an amazing time, and I'm so grateful and so thankful that my wonderful, beautiful, amazing wife and I had the opportunity to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. It was wonderful. But here's the thing that you need to know. You need to know that 10 years was almost cut short at year number four. You see, at year number four was the year that things weren't going the way that we wanted to go and I was ready to call it quits. You see, we got through the first three years. But by the time we hit year number four, y'all, the honey had left the moon. 
We were together and our relationship was just not good. There was no connection between the two of us. We spent more time arguing than we did laughing. And let me say, I got permission from my wife to share this piece of information. My wife is a wonderful woman. She's a wonderful woman now. She was a wonderful woman then. I was just immature as a husband. And both of us needed to grow. So here it is. Here's the thing that I need you to know about my wife and I. When we first met one another, we were Christians. I love Jesus with all my heart, mind, and soul. She loved Jesus with all our heart, mind, and soul. The problem is, in year number four, we ain't really love each other like that. And one of the things that someone told me before I got married to my wife is they said, Brent, as you are dating her, if you are serious about being in this relationship, then I want to encourage you to ask God, is your wife the woman that God has for you? See if this is the woman that God has to be a part of the plan for your life. And I was very serious about it for several weeks. I had prayed about it before I even thought about popping the question. And after several weeks, the answer was clear. And after months and months of dating, I knew that this was the woman that God had for me, that she was a part of the plan that God had for my life. But in year number four, I didn't like the plan that God had anymore. My, my posture had changed because I didn't want to be in that relationship anymore. I was ready to throw in the towel. And one of the reasons why I was ready to throw in the towel was because I didn't believe and I didn't trust that God could reconcile, could heal, can work our relationship out. And here's the tension that I want to share with you as a big idea that Jonah is facing. The tension that Jonah is facing He's facing this issue of whether or not he's going to trust God with the thing that God wants him to do or he's going to be on the run. You see, here's the thing. I knew for a fact that God wanted my marriage to last. And let me tell you how I knew for a fact that God wanted my marriage to last. When my wife and I went through all of our issues and we went through all of our drama and we went through all of our disappointments, I sat there and I had a conversation with my pastor at the time. And my pastor asked me three very important questions. Question number one that he asked me was, he says, Brent, did you pray about marrying Shannon before you married her? I said, yes. Question number two, Brent. Did God tell you to marry Shannon and that she was a part of the plan for your life? I said, yes. He said, here's question number three. Brent, has God changed his mind? And I sat there silently because internally I knew that God hadn't changed his mind. The problem was I simply didn't like the plan anymore. So here's the big idea I want to share with you. When things don't go your way in life, when you don't like the plan of God anymore, here's the question I want to ask you. The question I want to ask you, are you trusting in God's plan or are you running from God's plan? Say it again. Are you trusting in God's plan or are you running from God's plan? And this is where Jonah finds himself. So we're going to look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to probably read the first three verses. Let me give you a little bit of background information about Jonah real quick, y'all. Jonah is a believer. He is a Hebrew who has a relationship with God. Jonah is one of those individuals, more than likely, who's got 80% of it together, but he's missing out on the 20%. And this 20% is him obeying this instruction that God is about to give him. 
And here's how I know that Jonah is a believer and I know that Jonah knows God. If you look at the entirety of the text, there are moments where Jonah's even able to describe the character of God. He's able to describe the nature of God. He talks about how God is this God who is full of unfailing love and full of compassion and full of mercy. The only way that you can describe a God like that is if you actually know that God. So Jonah knows who God is. And all of a sudden, God asks him a question, and he asks Jonah to do a hard thing, and Jonah says no. Here's the truth of the matter. The reality is, is all of us have been like Jonah in certain seasons of our life to where we know God. We've experienced God's goodness. We've experienced God's grace. We've experienced God's love. We've experienced God's mercy. But the moment God has asked us to do a hard thing, we decide to say no. And the question becomes, why in the world, if we know all the great things about God, would we ever say no to the plan that God has for our lives? Let's unpack the narrative and see what it says. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Let me give you the Brent Hatchet translation of what's taking place in this text. God is sitting on his throne in heaven. He looks down at Jonah. He taps him on the shoulder and says, Jonah, I need you to get up. And the reason why I need you to get up, Jonah, is because I've got a purpose, I've got a plan, and I've got a destiny for your life. And here's the thing that I need you to know, that there's this group of people over in Nineveh called the Assyrians, Jonah. And those Assyrians over in Nineveh, those are a wicked group of people. And I'm sending you, Jonah, to cast judgment on them. I want you to give them this message. Jonah, let them know that if they don't get their acts together in the next 40 days, I'm going to completely and totally destroy them. Jonah hears this message. And internally, Jonah looks back at God and says, God, have you lost your mind? Now, you may be saying, what do you mean? Why would Jonah ever say, God, have you lost your mind? You've got to understand the history between the Assyrians and Israel. So here it is. The Assyrians and Israel, they've got bad beef between one another. Assyrians have done some horrible things to Israel. They have literally would capture Israelites and they would torture them. They would beat them. They would rape their women. They would kill them and put their corpses on display. They would even make artwork about the, the, the violent acts that they committed against these group of people. And Jonah was thinking to himself, God, how in the world are you going to ask me to go to those people, those Assyrians, who more than likely will treat me like they have historically treated my people? God, have you lost your mind? You are asking me to do a hard thing. Here's the truth of the matter. You and I have had moments where God has asked us to do the hard thing. And here's the thing. Jonah knows God. He's a believer. But yet he's struggling with this request, kind of like you and me. 
Let me give you a few examples of what it looks like when you and I are believers. We know God. We love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, but we're struggling uh, with some particular requests. Uh, One good example is this. For those of you who are in the room, uh, you're married now, but you remember those days where you were single and other of you, uh, you may be in the room and you're single right now. And just for a second, since I'm on this topic of singles, if you didn't know, I pastor the singles 20s, 30s. We meet every Thursday in the student center at 7 o'clock. We got free food. I want to encourage you to come and hang out with us. It is amazing. All right, now that I got my shameless plug out, let me go back to this topic of singleness. So here it is. You remember, though, when you were single and you were trying to get your life together and you said, you know what, I'm going to make a decision to start walking with the Lord and everything was going good until you opened up your Bible and you saw that passage that talked about how intimacy between man and a woman is only supposed to be reserved for the marriage bed. God, have you lost your mind? Culture teaches me that I'm supposed to test drive this car before I pull it off the lot. He's asking you to do that, that, that hard thing. Or have you ever been in this place to where you've been working on, and the Holy Spirit's been working in you and through you and working out your sanctification, and the places you used to go, you don't go no more. The things you used to do, you don't do no more, and you just feeling good in Jesus. And all of a sudden, the pastor comes out and he preached this message, and he talks about how you need to start giving. And then you pull out your phone and you look at that Chase app or that Wells Fargo app and that bank account and you look at the money and you look at the church and you look at your money and you look at the church and then you look at the economy and be like, God, have you lost your mind? The economy's inflation rate has gone up by 18%. I went to the store two weeks ago. Chicken was $3. I went the other day. It was $5. God, I can't give 10%. Let me give you a more serious topic. It's that moment when you and your mouth have found, you and your spouse have gotten to this place in your marriage where things aren't the way you hoped that they would be. And it looks as if there is no hope left in the marriage. But the problem is you have no biblical right to leave the marriage. God is asking you to do the hard thing, and instead of running away, he's asking you to lean in. But from your perspective, it seems impossible to do. God, have you, have you lost your mind? Why are you asking me to do this hard thing? Here's the reason why God asks you and I sometimes to do the hard thing, y'all. He asks us to do the hard thing because the cost of disobedience and being on the run from God is far more expensive than the cost of obedience. Let me say it again. The cost of disobedience and being on the run from God is far more expensive than the cost of obedience. The question I want to ask you is what is your no costing you? So here it is, going back to the text where in verse number three, Jonah is having this moment where he's like, God, have you lost your mind? And there's no way in the world that Jonah wants to go and do the thing that God is asking him to do. So Jonah hops on the internet real quick and see if he can buy a ticket from Southwest because he just wants to get away. Unfortunately, he can't find that airline ticket, so he guides a ship to get on this boat that's headed over to Tarshish. He goes down to the port of Joppa. And if you look at the map, where Jonah is headed is the complete and total opposite direction of where God is telling him to go. It's almost like if God says, hey, I want you to go to Canada, but instead of going to Canada, you decide to go to Mexico. And here's the thing that Jonah was missing, y'all. He's not just running away from a place. He is running away from a purpose. He is running away from a plan. 
So Jonah goes and buys this ticket that costs him $69.99, and he thinks that's all it's going to cost him. But the problem is, is Jonah didn't realize at the moment that he bought that ticket that there were some hidden fees associated with it. See, the truth of the matter is, is when you and I walk in disobedience, on the surface, it looks like it will be okay. But I need you to know that there are some hidden fees associated with your disobedience. So what are the hidden fees, Pastor Brent? I'm so glad you asked. Let's look at verse number four and look at these hidden fees. Here it is. Verse number four says this. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to, God, to the gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Jonah's on the run. He's going in the opposite direction. And he doesn't realize that there are hidden fees. And the hidden fee that Jonah just paid for was an unnecessary storm that never had to happen in his life. The truth of the matter is, is when you and I walk in disobedience to God, if we're not careful, it can cause some unnecessary storms. And the worst part about it is, is you're not the only one affected by the storm, but the people who are connected to you get affected by the storm. All because you won't say yes and choose to say no. And y'all trust me, I've been Jonah. I have caused the unnecessary storm. I'll never forget, let me go back to my fourth year in marriage, I finally, someone got a hold of me and helped me to try to understand the cost of my no and the hidden fees. And they said, Brent, you can leave your wife if you want to, but here's the problem. What happens to your three-year-old son? You're supposed to be the preacher, you're supposed to be the pastor, you're supposed to be this man of God. But instead of you being obedient and leading into your marriage the way that God wants you to, you're contemplating running. What's your run going to cost him? What's your no going to cost him? When he gets older, how is his view going to be on God if you're walking in disobedience? Then it took me a step further, and they helped me to stop being selfish, and they asked me the question, don't just look at your son, look at your wife. You're supposed to be a man of God. What happens to her if you walk away? How will her walk with Christ be impacted because of your disobedience? This is much bigger than you just walking away from your marriage. There are lives at stake. Your no could cause an unnecessary storm and everybody that's connected to you. So here it is. Let's continue on with the story. Let's look at where Jonah's at. It goes on to say this. It says, but all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Y'all, Jonah is supposed to be living out the purpose and the plan for his life. He's supposed to be headed over to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah is on a ship and he is asleep. He is knocked out cold, kind of like these babies we had on stage just a few minutes ago. And while he's sleeping, everybody else is suffering. So watch what happens. They finally wake Jonah up. 
And the crazy thing is, is Jonah didn't realize just how big of a deal this was. You see, Jonah was, God wasn't using Jonah to put Jonah's life at risk. God was using Jonah because God had a purpose and a plan for his life, and that purpose and that plan was to impact others. The truth of the matter is, I think most of the people in this room have asked yourself the question, God, what is the plan that you have for my life? And you know what God is saying to you? He's saying, listen to Pastor Britt, because he's about to tell you the plan that I have for your life. You want to know the plan that God has for your life? Here's the plan that God has for your life. I want to encourage you to write it down and meditate it on the rest of the week. Here's what it is. I'm going to read it verbatim. God's plan for your life is for you to be available to be used by him whenever, wherever, however, and for whoever. God's plan for your life is to make yourself available to be used by him whenever, wherever, however, and whoever. And here's the truth of the matter. Part of that plan is for God to use you right there in your own home. You see, because I didn't say no when I started saying yes, now I get the opportunity to live in the fruit of my yes, y'all. It's so amazing when I have these moments and I get to have a conversation with my son about Jesus. And my son can tell me that the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And my son can quote for me Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or Matthew 5-14, God has called me to be the light of the world. It's amazing to watch my son develop his own relationship with Jesus. But what's also amazing is to wake up sometimes and see my wife at 5.30 in the morning on the couch and she got up before me and her Bible's open and her journal's right there and she's listening to the Holy Spirit as she is studying scripture trying to grow in God. It's amazing when I look up and my wife is deep into the, the, uh, our church here at Cornerstone and she's a part of, of the mentoring group and she's the mentee in the group and she's being shaped and molded into the image of Christ to be the woman of God that it is that God has called her to be. So here's the thing. If I would have continued to say no, there's a strong possibility that my family could have completely and totally walked away from the church. They could have been impacted negatively. I want to encourage you and let you know that God has a plan for your life, my friend. Husband, God has a plan for you and your wife. And sometimes he's not asking you to do a hard thing. He may be asking you to do a simple thing. And the simple thing could be, could you just take your wife's hand in the morning and pray with her for two minutes before you leave the house? The yes could be you saying, I'm going to spend less time and less hours on my job and more hours with my family so that I can lead them and be the priest of my home. Here's the other truth of the matter. I think you need to know this. Remember, Jonah is saying no. And while he's saying no, there's a whole other group of people on the other side of the country who need to hear what it is that God is trying to tell them. And the longer Jonah says no, the longer they stay in darkness. The truth of the matter is that God wants to use you, my friend, to be the salt of the world, to be the light of the world, to preach truth in dark places on your job and in your community and give hope to those who have no hope. The truth of the matter is, is God wants to use you to impact the lives of people. There are folks who need to know about this gospel of Jesus. 
about the unconditional love that he has for them. And he's waiting on you to stop saying no and start saying yes. And so you don't feel alone. He's waiting on me in some areas to stop saying no and start saying yes. Y'all, we are in this together. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And a part of the plan and the part of the purpose is for God to be able to use you to impact the people around you. So let me ask you this question. How much longer will you continue to say no? How much longer will you run and fight against the thing that God is asking you to do? Is he asking you to give more? Is he asking you to serve more? Is he asking you to love better? Is he asking you to spend more time in him in scripture? Let me get a little bit more personal. Is he asking you to forgive some people who hurt you? Is he asking you to let go of some old pain that you've been holding on to? Is he asking you to learn how to lose control? What's the hard thing that God is asking you to do? Because I can guarantee you this, the cost of your disobedience is far more expensive than the cost of your obedience. So watch this. Let's look at the last three verses, verses 7 through 10. Here's where it says. It says, then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended uh, the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Verse 9, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Here's the crazy part about the text. The non-believer is grieved by the disobedience of the believer. <laughs> the non-believer is grieved by the disobedience of the believer. Who's grieving right now? Because you keep saying no. I know this is a hard thing, but the reason why God has sent this message to me and you this morning is because he wants you to see the importance of your yes. I never want me or you to be the individual that has to have this Jonah moment to where we're standing amongst the non-believers and we've got to raise our hands and say, hey, I am Brent Hatchet and I am running from the Lord. I'm Brent Hatchet, a believer, but I am running from the Lord. God doesn't want you to be on the run. God wants you to surrender. He wants you to say yes. I'll land the plane with this story. I'm going to go back to my fourth year of marriage one final time. And this is the thing I need you to know. Just before I share this story with you, most of the time while you and I go on the run, 
is because me and you want to know how the story ends. See, we're fearful of, God, if I, if, I, if I lean into my marriage again, I'm putting myself at risk of being hurt again. If I pursue this road of reconciliation, I'm putting myself in danger of being hurt again. If I put myself out there as a Christian on my job, I risk the possibility of being embarrassed. And here's what you need to know. You need to know that it's not your job to know the end of the story. It's your job to trust Jesus along the journey. Say it again. It's not your job to know how the story ends. It is your job to trust Jesus along the journey. I wish I knew how my story ended. I wish I could stand here in this pulpit today and say that God's got another 35 years of ministry experience ahead of me and I'm going to go without any scandal. I'm not going to go without anybody stabbing me in the back. I'm not going to go without anybody lying on me and I'm going to pastor this awesome, great, big, amazing church. I can't tell you that. But I can trust God along the journey. So here's how I'm going to land the plane. I'll never forget, my pastor takes me out to dinner with his wife and my wife. We're sitting there, and they're trying to give us some encouragement because we're dealing with all of the mess that's going on in my marriage at the time. And y'all, I'm just being a jerk and saying, ah, I'm done. I'm quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. Here's the thing. He shares with me a story about an experience between him and his neighbor. So he says, Brent, let me share something with you. My pastor's name was Theo. Theo says, um, Years ago, we were in Dallas, and we had these neighbors, and our neighbors were Indian. And our neighbors had invited me and Lisa. His wife's name was Lisa. Our neighbors invited me and Lisa over to dinner for their house. And for those of you who are married in the room, you know that there are primary two questions that always get asked when you go out on a couple's dinner, and you're getting ready to know each other for the very first time or hang out for the very first time. Question number one is, how long have you been together? Question number two how did you meet? Those are standard questions. So they go through the pleasantries. They get to these individuals' house. And then uh, Theo asks the husband, man, how long have the two of you been together for? The husband says, we've been together for 25 years. Then Theo asks, well, how did you meet your wife? The husband says, I met my wife the day before our wedding for 10 minutes at the airport. So now he's sitting here trying to figure out what in the heck is going on. And so he starts asking, he's like, man, I don't, I don't understand it. You've been married for 25 years, but yet you met your wife the day before you got married at the airport for 10 minutes? How have you made this work for the last 25 years? You, I, I know you didn't love her. You knew nothing about her. How did you make this work? And then this gentleman says two things that changed the entire game. He said, Theo, here's the thing that you need to understand about my culture. In our culture, we have arranged marriages. And my parents had a plan, and their parents had a plan, and they put the two of us together. But here's the second thing you need to understand about our culture, though, Theo. In our culture, when we enter into a marriage covenant, commitment means something. So even though there are moments in our marriage where we don't always get along, there are moments in our marriage where things may be difficult and I'm to the point now to where I absolutely am in love with my wife. But you need to understand that in our culture, commitment means something. My yes means something. Here's what I need you to know. You've got a heavenly father that has a plan for your life. 
And it's a good plan. Now, there are going to be moments in the plan that you aren't going to like. There are going to be moments in the plan that aren't going to be comfortable. There are going to be moments in the plan where things aren't enjoyable. And here's what your heavenly father wants you to do. When that moment comes up, he wants you to still say yes. Yes, Lord, to your will and your way, I'll trust you and obey each and every day. The question that I want to leave with you is, are you willing to say yes? Are you trusting in God's plan? Or are you running from God's plan? Y'all, don't be on the run. It costs too much. It's far easier to just simply Say yes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to stand and share this message. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your grace. And Father, I pray that was said today that you would allow that word to penetrate our hearts and transform us from the inside out. God, there's a marriage here that's struggling. There's a single person that's struggling with living godly. There's an individual here that's struggling with forgiving people who have hurt them. God, would you touch their hearts and allow them to lean in and trust you along the journey? No, we don't know how the story ends. No, we don't know how this thing is going to unfold. But here's what we say today as a people. God, we say yes to your will and your way. And we'll trust you all the way. We thank you. We bless you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brent. If you find yourself this morning uh, struggling to trust God with his plan, or maybe you're finding yourself realizing that you've been saying no to God's plan in your life for a long time and you want to change that and start saying yes, we're going to have prayer partners for you down here. And also you can text the word prayer to 21999. Hey, have an amazing day. We look forward to seeing you here next week.